How's it going today, Q? I'm scrambling. Scrambling? Yes. Like a quarterback scrambling out of the pocket? No, like an egg scrambling on a piece of toast. Ooh. That sounds pretty good, actually. Mm-hmm. You know it's so hot out in Las Vegas right now that you can actually scramble an egg on the street? It's 115 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow, man. Yeah. We, should, we should move. Yeah. We're going to that conference. What's the conference? Hoshokan. Hoshokan? Yeah. Tell me about Hoshokan. What is that? I don't know much about it. I just know that Dima set it up and I'm going with him. <laughs> it's at the Hard Rock. I know that. You know what's... Well, that's cool. That'll be fun. Yeah. You know what's interesting is we... So we, I guess today's episode is going to be about crypto conferences. And mm-hmm. we had a guest on. Uh, she is the wonderful and now famous Miss Carla Marie, mm. as she's known on the Maltese the Island. And she said that... In the crypto world, you could probably live out of a suitcase because there's so many blockchain and crypto conferences going on now that you could never go home. You could just live on the road. Yep. Just be a nomad. One conference to the next. You'd be a crypto roadie. Mm, I like that. Roadie. Crypt. Crypt. No, I'm not even going to start. There's so many there's so many crypto personalities on Twitter that have all those names, but yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> we I, should do an episode one day where we just go through the best Twitter crypto ooh, handles. That's a good idea. Ooh. I'm sure I'm sure our listeners will hate that. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll bring that up next episode. Okay. If, I, if you think that's a good idea and you're listening to this podcast, hit us in the comments on YouTube, hit us in the tweet box, mm. hit us right in the feels on soundcloud.com. Right in the fields, and let us know if you would like to see us do some commentary on some awesome Twitter dialogue. Cool, yeah, yeah. So that Hosho, I'm looking at it now. The Hosho conference is October 9th through 11th. We're just giving them free plugs right now. Uh, We actually just partnered with Hosho. They're a smart contract auditor, so that's something that Dima set up. So props to Dima, a little little clap. Um, But yeah, I'm gonna head out there October 9th with Dima and Joe, and we're going to attempt to survive Vegas. That's a pretty important um, service that they offer. ICOs or people that are willing to invest in ICOs is actually smart contract auditing, because Mm. a lot of these people that are looking into these sorts of projects, maybe they're not sure what this smart contract's all about. And a Mm. lot of times the smart contract actually facilitates how you're going to get paid out with tokens once you make your contribution in ETH. Exactly. So if there's some sort of crazy exit scam going on, it's always good to know that the project's been audited by a third party. Definitely. I think that's a that's something that was sorely needed in, in, in our industry, and we thank God that Hosho's doing it for us. Hosho. <laughs> Hosho, Fosho. But, yeah, so I don't, I don't mean to, you know... Uh, talk too much about Hosho because I know our guest is part of, well, at least is the brand ambassador for the Malta Blockchain Summit. And that's something that we're really interested in. I think me and you are trying to get out there. We're they, going. Yeah. I, One way or another. Oh, wow. Okay. Whether so it comes you, out of my pocket or it comes out of your pocket, oh, we're going. Okay. Sounds good. It can't both <laughs> come, it can't come out of both of our pockets? No, but, one or the other. Oh, wow. Okay. Sounds we'll good. We'll see. We'll see who buys more lunches this month. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, but I'm I, I'm excited for it, man. I know I know you were looking at all the speakers. I know uh, you just just kind of going out there just to experience Malta because I think to many of us in the crypto community, like we hear about Malta all the time, but we haven't actually been out there. Right. Well, and they're in the headlines so much. You see all these big companies moving there, mm-hmm. or at least uh, locating a second office there, or having some sort of relations with the Maltese government, and they're really uh, doing a good job of defining what their crypto regulations are, Mm. which is huge because, you know, you look in the U.S. with the regulations for utility and ICO sales, 
Uh, is it, you know, are, is cryptocurrency a security? Is it a property? Is it a, what's the other commodity? Commodity, yeah. yeah there, there are so many definitions out there. And what some of these places that have become more crypto friendly are starting to do is they're starting to really narrow in the definitions of what these things are so that when you go there, you can act in accordance. Mm. And uh, as someone who's pretty anti-regulation across the board, it does make sense in certain circumstances where if I'm going to start a company, I want to do a token sale. I know that if I go to a place like Malta or like Bermuda even, mm -hmm. um, then I can know exactly what I need to do to make sure I'm in the right on the right side of the law. Whereas with some of the more Wild West places, which it's a shame, but the U.S. still is kind of a place like that. Yeah. If you run a, a utility token sale nowadays, you don't know what the final verdict is going to be as far as is the SEC going to come crashing down on you midway mm -hmm. through your token sale or is everything going to jive and you'll get away scotch-free? It's interesting to hear uh, her talk about how them being a gambling kind of haven uh, or what did she say, iGambling? Yeah, they, I think they call it iGaming. iGaming? She said it started as gambling, but then they changed the name or they try to make it not so blatant like mm -hmm. gambling is the thing gotcha. eye gaming i thought it was yeah so she had said that because they had that eye gaming they were almost prepared uh for this crypto wave for the regulation that would that would follow with that so that was right. really cool to hear yeah and i think uh obviously you have the huge conferences here in the u.s you have consensus and new york city uh, but that was kind of overhyped and overblown mm -hmm. and uh, people from ico alert that actually went to that conference said it was just 24 7 people shilling and yeah. You know, the markets didn't react to it at all. But what if this Malta blockchain summit turns into the next big conference that you want to be at? Yeah, I think it, I think it definitely has the potential from hearing what she had to say about just, you know, not only the speakers, but the events that are going on around the conference. I think this could be like the event of one of the events of the year. Right. Once we get into the interview a little bit, you'll hear all the speakers that she listed. But it was funny. I remember when I first brought up the conference someone in the office was like, well, you know, take a deeper dive into this conference. Is this legit? Is this a real conference you want to go to? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I don't know. Let me take a look at the speakers. And I looked at the speakers and the very first keynote speaker is the prime minister of Malta. Yeah. So he's a world leader. I mean, however small of an island mm -hmm. they are, he's still got a lot of, you know, political influence and power. And yeah. you don't see that. You don't see that with blockchain and crypto. I wonder what makes what what is it that makes these islands such a draw? Is it is it literally the weather? Like, <laughs> is it because they're so small that their government can work like very nimbly and and with agility uh, that they can get these regulations passed? Like, wh what is it about specifically islands that makes them? a haven for these cryptocurrencies yeah i don't know i guess maybe or projects I mean, I mean this is just a theory but if you have an island you're you only have so much land yeah and so your jurisdiction isn't as large mm -hmm. That's so you it. don't need as many representatives to take care of that you know a piece of land or take care of your resources you're limited to the amount of people that can actually go there mostly by again the amount of actual livable land that you have but also because people don't just go to malta as a destination yet whereas you know new york city or some city in the midwest chicago it's very easy to get to i can get there at any time yeah um so i think maybe that's why these governments are looking for opportunities to bring people and bring industries and in that would actually make them a destination and like as you mentioned the, there's not as much bureaucracy when you have such a small plot of land and you're trying to get yourself up to the point where you have more bureaucracy and more problems to deal with you know more yeah. money more problems 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm excited for what it's going to do to these islands, honestly. Like, I don't know the exact history. I think we went into a little bit of the history of Malta, but as far as what it, what crypto can do for uh, a, a good amount of these countries, it's it's really exciting. Dude, I saw, it, kind of being devil's advocate here, I saw a, a video of... It was Brock Pierce in Puerto Rico, and I guess they had staged like a, a town hall meeting, mm-hmm. and as like a kind of a feel good thing between all of these crypto uh, projects and these influencers that you know moved to Puerto Rico, uh, and it basically it, it erupted. Like the the locals apparently were just furious <laughs> yeah. at the people for being there because they said it was something like a second, it was like a second tier colonization pretty much. It was like another colonization. Um, but yeah, mm. it was, it, it's just interesting to hear both sides because you almost think like, oh, Puerto Rico, uh, they would be happy to have all of right. these crypto projects. And then you see that meeting, you're like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I actually saw the same video and they were freaking out about it. And I mean, Puerto Rico is probably in a state of distress just from the recent natural disasters that have taken place there but i saw a specific woman in the video that was like yelling at someone there some blockchain it might have been brock yeah and she was like you know uh, half of our city is still destroyed and you guys are coming in here with all your money and it's it's like well i i don't understand what you want i mean do you want people to come in here that are going to bring better infrastructure to the city because you need development you need private development the government obviously if it's been so bad for you isn't going to lift a finger for you yeah and regardless of what your politics are puerto rico isn't the number one thought on the in the hearts and minds of the u.s government yeah and so it's funny because if you do have enough private you know investment in the infrastructure and enough innovation there where all of a sudden holy shit all these people are moving to puerto rico i know like peter schiff i'm not sure if you know who that is but he's like a big time sort of wall street guy he made a lot of money Mm. in investments and he's he's got like his own gold fund and he's pretty he's pretty well spoken with cryptocurrency he's actually sort of a cryptocurrency opponent Mm. Um, but he has a lot of investments down in Puerto Rico. So it's not just cryptocurrency moving down there. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's you're going to have people that are going to fight against no matter what innovation is. Yeah, you're never going to be 100% in having the support of the community. I understand that. One thing I kind of did agree with her on was that if all of these projects are coming into the community or into Puerto Rico, Puerto Rican community should have some say as to like the standards which those people are coming in. Like they should they should be able to set the rules for all of the projects that are coming into Puerto Rico in a sense. Does that make sense? So like what what do you mean exactly by rules as far as I have no idea. Uh, when, I, when I mean rules, I mean the regulations that they have to follow. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe the tax breaks that they have to follow that go back to Puerto Rico. Like right. you don't want the project setting the the tax standard for what they're going to pay. Right. Well, and I could actually see that as being one of the most contentious points because Puerto Rico has really good tax breaks, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's part of the reason why the people that are down there that are screaming or whatever, however you want to say it, they're seeing this as. A company's coming in, they're taking advantage of the tax breaks. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're not hiring people in the local area. And then, you know, they're just kind of taking taking advantage of the area, like yeah. I said. Yeah. Um, but, you know, from my perspective, it's if you're going to set up a, an area with low tax uh, low taxes and good incentives for industry to grow. It's high tides going to rise all ships. Yeah, that's the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can, you know, I can make the argument against myself and for those people. I uh, just don't necessarily agree with with the way they say it. So, as far as like, should Puerto Rico uh, be able to regulate? It, you don't want to. 
you don't want to stifle an opportunity before mm-hmm. it presents itself. Obviously, cryptocurrency itself has so many crazy yeah. things going on. So many people getting scammed. So many people pulling exit schemes. And you know, who, like I just watched this documentary yesterday. Oh my god! So when we had the interns on, we were talking about Tether. Yeah. Turns out I it was so ignorant to Tether. There's probably a million people listening to our podcast that <laughs> wanted to smack the shit out of <laughs> they me. They always think. That. Yeah, I was, I was so ignorant to Tether. I watched this documentary. It's on YouTube. I think it's only like 40 minutes. It's called. Um, decentralized deception and it talks about how bitfinex got hacked and then created tether as a way to sort of print money like as uh, if they were the the government and they were they were paying people in ious oh my through god tether saying oh don't worry this is backed by the dollar and so all these people were like all right you know i think they got hacked for like 75 million or something some crazy Good number Lord. and uh they recovered it all through selling these iou notes it's and like then the 1940s <laughs> yeah and then when people when people went to go withdraw their tether it said sorry only like certain accounts can withdraw with a max or with a minimum amount of fifty thousand dollars and like you had to do you had to like basically be an insider to them and so if you were just a normal retail investor and you had maybe you know 10 grand of your you know whatever you worked up with with crypto and you you got the ious back or even if you tethered up from bitfinex and you were like i just want to get out i want to convert my tether into us dollars you couldn't do it you had to have fifty thousand minimum so so what eventually happened those people obviously still to this day aren't having that issue i honestly I don't know. Yeah, this yeah, was yeah. this was at the. I think this was just happened at the end of last year. So I've never been on Bitfinex. So again, another. Gall would know. Yeah, we gotta we gotta get Gall on one of these episodes. Yeah, talk, talk about his about. margin trading. <laughs> so yeah, I'm. Uh, anyway, I'm looking forward to these conferences, and I I think it'll be an eye opening experience, and it'll be good for for us. I think like individually to go to a place like mm-hmm. that that's so bullish on the crypto yeah. market and on actual blockchain technology whether you're a bitcoin maximalist or you believe in altcoins or you're there to make jokes about shit coins you yeah know, you that'll can, be us yeah you know you it's it's fun to go in and and be in that atmosphere and malta um you know the way carla talked about it was it made me optimistic about the area oh yeah you could tell that the community was behind uh the the government in every way other than the, like the example that we just talked about puerto rico so i think malta like has its head on straight as far as where it wants to see crypto uh kind of come in and help the island you know and and drive it forward they could, the island and and the projects are, are helping each other and I, I like that aspect i think they know where they want to go right right one of the one of the only other big news things I saw coming out was, and this is actually kind of local news, sort of uh, BNY Mellon Mellon Bank, which is actually founded here in Pittsburgh, and then was acquired by Bank of New York. So now, obviously, BNY Mellon. The Coinbase's new chief compliance officer, Jeff Horowitz, just finished his first day on the job. This is off of Forbes, actually. Horowitz spent much of his career managing brokerage, custody, and clearing and settling solutions, and setting his sights on the future especially as it relates to two of Coinbase's latest push into enterprise cryptocurrency solutions. So it seems like cryptocurrencies continuing to sort of make moves into legitimizing their relationships with banks and the ability to allow people to sort of convert from in and out of U.S. dollar or whatever the the local currency might be that the users need. Yeah, I think so. I mean, to be honest, can I can I be honest? I was like looking something up and I heard none of what you said. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. It's it's uh so Coinbase has a new compliance officer. It's gotcha. a big BNY 
like exec. Uh, his name's Jeff Horowitz. But the thing that's interesting about this is I, I was I was looking at something on Twitter today, and Coinbase actually the usership has gone down. I mean, everything's kind of gone everything's down. Everything's gone this down. Trend, but a lot of people were commenting that the banks are doing everything in their power to try to block users on Coinbase. So mm. if you go on a Coinbase, and I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but have you ever gone on a Coinbase and used a credit card or like a debit card to try and you know, say you want to get into no. the market really quick and easy. I, I see what you're saying, but I've never done it. I've only done it through the bank account. Yes. So if you do through the bank account, typically you have to wait like, what, three to five days or it's something a, like it's that? It's about three to five, yeah. Well, well, are you talking about like for the registration or for when you're trying to transact into Bitcoin? When you're first trying to purchase Bitcoin. Yeah, when you first are. But then I think what Coinbase is doing now is the instant transaction. Okay. So now, I've, I don't know how it is now, but back in early 2018 so my first couple transactions were in fact like three to four days right and then after they noticed like uh after they knew you were a whale after they, yeah after they knew i was a whale they <laughs> started to give me instant transactions that's nice yeah that's um, pretty cool the so the way i've done it with coinbase is you have to use a debit card i've had a debit card okay, hooked up to gotcha. my account and i do have my bank account hooked up too but i guess i'm not enough of a whale to get the mm, the instant not uh, many transactions. Are. yeah I'm a krill, so <laughs> the krill way of doing things on Coinbase is gotcha. you have to tell uh, me more. You have to put your debit card in, but the thing is, I would put my debit card in. I'd get charged a fee. Uh, you know, obviously there's interchange fees and stuff like that that are associated with a normal payment. Yep. But then I would get like a thirty dollar or forty dollar charge oh, from my bank. I heard about this. Yeah, and it would be from just PNC saying it was some kind of international fee, which is total bullshit because if I buy something on any other international site, yeah. they're not going to hit me with some $40 fee. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that the banks really are kind of like going out of their way to block these transactions or make it harder for people to flip from cash into Bitcoin. Yeah, uh, I think that's that would be my natural reaction. I would be surprised if they didn't. I mean, Coinbase is the uh, biggest on-ramp for the average user, the average retail investor. And with every person that comes to know Bitcoin and comes to uh, like the transaction uh, speed, like the the idea of, you know, I think the original slogan was be your own bank kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that means that they're out of their bank, or at least at least a percentage of the the percent a percentage of their capital is being put into Bitcoin as opposed to held in that bank, held on a PNC. So screw you, PNC. <laughs> I hope they're not listening. <laughs> so yeah, uh, the only other thing, I guess, the only other thing I had was uh, to it's it's kind of a uh, weekly thing here. We kind of go through our comments, and I kind of wanted to call out Omar Bob. Uh, Omar Bob. Yeah, Omar Bob. What platform did he hit us up on? Uh, YouTube. We always get one comment on YouTube. So <laughs> this one. Come on, my... let's shoot for two this week. Can yeah, two please. of you out there comment, guys. Please, this is what I'll do. If we don't get a comment on YouTube, I have to give you five ES. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Now we're betting ES. Great. <laughs> if we if we don't get two comments, yes. Okay. So if we get one or less, yes. You give me. I give you five ES. Yes. And if we get two or more, you give me five years. You two or more? Oh, okay, because I, I, I see you switching it around because you think our users will help you out. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm down. I'm down with it. Sounds good. But anyways, Omar Bob gave us the uh, E comment. So thank you, Omar Bob, for that. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, Omar Bob. We really appreciate that feedback. Uh, big shout out to you. Uh, we, we always strive to get the best content out there for our users. So thanks, Omar. You're really, uh, really setting a good example out there. <laughs>
Awesome. All right. So I guess then without further ado, uh, we are going to get um, Carla Vela, better known as Miss Carla Marie, on the line. And we're yes. going to talk about uh, the blockchain, the Malta Blockchain Summit coming up in November. Yo, Q. What's up, Ev? What is the ICO Alert Roundtable? The Roundtable is a casual discussion about current events and coins that we're passionate about. What isn't the ICO Alert Roundtable? The ICO Alert Roundtable isn't tax, legal, financial, professional, or any other kind of advice. For sake of transparency, members of this week's podcast own the following coins. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and EOS. Okay, so we now have on the line from the Malta Blockchain Summit, Miss Carla Vela. However, on the island, she informed me most people know her as Miss Carla Marie. Carla, how are you? Good, thanks. Feeling quite uh, honored by the formality of Miss before my title also. So I'm thinking <laughs> of adopting it now. <laughs> Miss Carla Marie, I like mm, that. Sounds good. It rolls off the tongue nicely. And if you're very, as, very nice. If you're you as famous as you said. You like. <laughs> well, you should be the one to trademark it because it sounds so good. So if you're as famous as you say you are uh, uh, in Malta, then a lot of people are going to be saying that during this upcoming blockchain summit in November. So the reason we guys brought you on was to talk a little bit about this conference that's taking place in Malta. And if you just want to start off by sort of giving us an introduction to you and your background and then tell us something about the conference. Uh, great. So I'm uh, I'm a local. I'm a, what we could define as a Malteser. I've been living on the island most of my life. Uh, I have a background running large large organizations. Um, I was CEO of a family office uh, focusing on investments in the fintech and gambling sector, which is quite another prominent area of business on the island. And uh, about a year ago now, I took the uh, the nosedive down the uh, blockchain rabbit hole and uh, haven't really come back out. So that's Most a little bit about me. <laughs> Once you go in, it's like hard to hard to re re recover. Um, but it's a, definitely a wonderful ecosystem to be in, and everybody's opened me with open arms, and I've learned so much in 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 this in this past year. So. We're hoping that uh, the Malta Blockchain Summit can be very much that type of, um, that kind of thing that kind of people come to and, and, and get that same feeling for the ecosystem. I think that's very one, one of the very important pillars that we try to, uh, you know, try to get help people get out of the summit. That's pretty amazing. So you're actually uh, Maltese native and you're kind of right in the eye of the storm as far as fintech and cryptocurrency goes. It kind of... You didn't go find it, it found you, or were you sort of interested in cryptocurrency and then it just so happened that Malta turned into this hotspot for the industry? I, I think I found it. I, I was, um, about a year ago, I started to explore how blockchain could solve um, KYC, AML, and the process that that in, in, entails around the sovereign identity. Um, became very, very interested in the space, started following, you know, Winnie from, from Civic and Newport consensus and so on, and really just tried, tried to really kind of self-educate and started to meet some fantastic people on the island um, who were also super passionate about, you know, blockchain in general, but also identity and, and so on. So that's, that's the kind of uh, how I got into it, so to speak. And it's just really kind of encapsulated from there. I'm now studying my master's in digital currency, um, have my own podcast, uh, which should be launching around the time of the summit. Yeah, and also have some other exciting news, but we can talk about that in another another session. So that's Ooh. still still uh, up the sleeve for now. 
Yeah, that that sounds amazing. I'm actually we didn't know that you were uh, Maltese native uh, before this podcast, so this actually can go in a few ways. But I'm excited to ask you this question: What was Malta like before this crypto, and what what was the what is the history of Malta basically uh, um, as far as business? The history wise? of Malta. <laughs> <laughs> We've been invaded by everyone. <laughs> uh, perfect. Um, I, just to correct you, I, I'm, I'm actually Australian Maltese. So I'm Australian born, but I've lived most of my life in Malta. I'm actually from the sister island, Gozo, which is a much smaller island than the main island, Malta. It's a wonderful place. Malta, prior to the whole, uh, you know, ICO, the, you know, the regulation position that has come out in the last year as well, Malta was most prominently renowned for the iGaming sector, uh, a light touch of calling it gambling, we call it iGaming, um, where most of the largest gambling companies within the European landscape, because obviously it's illegal in the US, have had strong premise in, in Malta. So a lot of young, enthusiastic, tech kind of minded marketeers and, and, and you know, digital developers and people in the space have mostly all touched in some shape or form or know somebody who has worked in some of the most leading uh, gambling companies in, in, in Europe. Um, and I was just one of the lucky ones who, who was able to work my way up in one of those companies and, and actually lead one of the prominent brands that was focusing on the Scandinavian market. The, the reason why it, it feels so, to me as a Malteser, um, and now I'm going to lead them to myself being called a Malteser rather than Miss, but... Um, <laughs> It, you know, to, to lead into 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 blockchain for us is very natural. Why we we've been one of the the standing countries in the European landscape that has long regulated gambling, which is something that has been seen as you know maybe not so not maybe not so well received by multiple governments within the European landscape, right? So we're used to that kind of regulational protocol around things that have been perceived gray by many other jurisdictions and when it when it comes to blockchain everybody on the island the lawyers and all the big firms are just like yeah let's let's do it you know let's let's get on board with whatever the government's proposing here let's help them let's educate ourselves let's get people in from abroad let's understand this landscape because this is the next gray kind of area that lots of people don't want to touch and we've got experience in in in, in facilitating and maintaining those type of companies and you know and and running those companies so I think a lot of the people uh, on the island have been open-armed to, to, to blockchain and especially the regulation around blockchain, which the government uh, has put forward now. Um, so it, it's very, very positively received. Yeah, it sounds like there's definitely a lot going on there. And we've it's been crazy. hearing your friends across the pond here over in the United States have been hearing a lot of headlines and seeing a lot of good news coming out of Malta, especially with the relocation of uh, some larger exchanges and some larger cryptocurrency companies moving in there. But I do want to touch on the the actual blockchain summit and what you guys are doing, the whole event there. And if you could just give us sort of a, a high level rundown of what's going to go on and what the dates are so that our listeners can take advantage of that information, we would appreciate that as well. Absolutely. So the Malta Blockchain Summit is going to be held on the 1st and 2nd of November. However, with just pure excitement around everything that's been going on, um, the team, just to, just a little side note here, we're a team of 20 working behind this conference. So it's not... It's not a, a small deal. It's it's quite a, a great deal, and we'll talk about uh, speakers in a minute. But 
you know, it's actually evolved into a blockchain week. So we actually have multi blockchain week as well um, running um, running up to the conference. But the principal days are the first and the second of November. And over those two days, we are running four different conferences. So the conference op- opens with uh, regulatory and investments in the ICO in the blockchain space. The afternoon is based on affiliation and marketing. Um, and then day two, we open with uh, tech. And uh, we close the conference with uh, cryptocurrency and tokenomics conference. So there's actually four conferences happening over over two days. And one of the key kind of things that we we, we were adamant in, in ensuring was that we wouldn't have a situation where one person would show up and wouldn't be able to attend some of the other conferences. So none of the conferences overlap. If you want to come and attend all four, you can attend all four. Apart from that, on day one, we have uh, an awesome hackathon happening. Prize, the prize is substantial there. I, okay, so it's 50,000 euros there up for grabs for the hackathon, and that's happening on the day one, on the first. And then on day two, we actually have an ICO pitch, which is kind of like um, a Dragon Dead style three-hour session where 20 ICOing companies will be pitching in front of a panel of some pretty impressive investors. I mean, I'd be scared if I was a startup pitching in front of these guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a background in venture. Um, so, so, so no fear, just come. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But it, it, it's, looking, it's looking pretty cool. And... Um, we're super excited um, because we we are you know we have been inundated with people coming to us wanting to speak. We've we've been working really hard on trying to get like some of the really you know super names in the in the sector out there. The the conference content is is quite diversified and we'll, we're constantly updating and uploading new new topics and new speakers uh, almost on a daily basis. Um, yeah, with the yeah, hope to finalize that by this month. This, this month. Could you actually give us uh, some details as far as the speakers that you're going to have uh, at the at the blockchain summit? Yeah, I mean, we, we actually, and I think this is probably one of the proudest ones. <laughs> so 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 brag, bragging hats on. Um, we actually have um, uh, the the so-called father of of blockchain, um, the guy who was actually referenced in Satoshi's white paper. Um, Scornetta, Scornetta. <laughs> I'm focused on pronouncing his surname. Um, so he's actually referenced three times, I believe, in the Satoshi White Paper. Apart from that, we have the Prime Minister who will be speaking at the, the conference, and maybe that's not somebody who everybody knows in the blockchain space, but it's worth noting that our prime minister actually knows how to talk about blockchain, um, yeah. which, is, which is quite impressive as well. You know, it's like how many prime ministers of countries can actually hold a discussion about, you know, uh, the, you know, about blockchain. So, so that's pretty fascinating. We also have um, Sunny Dillon out from uh, out from uh, Silicon Valley. We have Mike Butcher, the you know the editor of TechCrunch. Uh, we have Eva Kali, um, who's one of the members of the European Parliament and heavily focused on black blockchain. Yeah, just just it, the list goes on and on, and you can actually see that all on the multiblockchainsummit.com site under speakers. But there's some really impressive names there. Yeah, it and more to like come. More to come. It sounds like there's a full <laughs> slate there of people where, if you're involved in the industry in any way, shape, or form, whether it be you know, wanting to see the next innovation or trying to find out what's going on with 
regulations and legislation and things like that, then there's someone there for you. So uh, I, I love the... I love the star-stacked cast that you guys have going on there. Uh, Zach Thank and I you. actually are both lobbying hardcore to let the ICO Alert team send us there and be representatives of ICO Alert. So hopefully we'll see really you there. We'll be able to, to chat this. in person with you guys about it. I think another another part worth mentioning is is that a lot of people, I mean, we, you can travel to 101 different conferences on blockchain. I mean... I think I could practically live out of a suitcase for the next year and just traveling from conference to conference. Um, but what we're really trying to do is make this conference with an unconferenced part. Um, one of the key focuses for us is that we, we do pack the days with all the information and content um, so that you can dip into and out of the conference sessions. We also have an exhibit floor. So you can actually walk around an exhibit floor and actually go up and speak to some of our sponsoring and, and companies present. So if you you know have a fantastic idea and need that idea developed, there's going to be companies who can help you with your blockchain development. If you want to speak to the actual regulation authority, they're actually going to be there. So you can actually get hands-on and up, up front and close with, with, the, with the authorities. There's going to be plenty of legal firms you can just walk around and speak to but further to that the evenings are probably just as exciting as the days because we have tons of evening events nobody will be sitting in a hotel room having a dinner alone there's there's tons of dinners happening which you can get formally invited to some of them you can subscribe to um so so we we don't believe in that kind of philosophy where you know you just come for the day and then you go to your room you know this is a this is the type of type of event where you turn off your laptop, you come, you know, for two days and you just embrace it, because there's that's tons awesome. of stuff going on. Yeah, there's even like a crypto cruise, so oh that's going to be fun. <laughs> Cruising around the, the Grand cruise. Harbor, crypto cruise. We all we all need a good booze cruise. <laughs> I'm shocked that people in crypto want to get on a cruise and booze. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, and I'm I think it's going to be an amazing experience for everyone that goes. We're actually trying to help you guys promote it a bit on our end here, um, and we'll have a uh, a discount code for people that are listening to the ICO Alert podcast. Uh, we'll be plugging you guys away. Again, the dates for that is November 1st and 2nd. And I, I don't want to get Dennis in trouble. I know Dennis is the guy that uh, kind of helped us get in touch with you. but he, I always he, get Dennis in trouble. <laughs> he, he mentioned, now he didn't tell us exactly what it was, but he said there was going to be a really juicy announcement on October 31st that people, if they're heading to the conference, they might want to be there for it because it could be something that's sort of historic in the crypto space. Are you willing to give us any more details about that or at least confirm that there is some big announcement brewing? I can give you this. There is a thing called the Blockchain Awards happening on the 31st. Hmm. And all the proceeds of that event actually go to charity. So if you can rock up to that event, there has been some rumored discussion and, and this doesn't get uh, Dennis into trouble, probably get me into trouble, but it's okay. <laughs> that some people are going to actually dress up in costumes because it's actually Halloween. So I, I'm a bit scared of what that might imply. And you never know what Dennis is going to wear. But um... <laughs> <laughs> so crypto Halloween party. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a blockchain now. award turned crypto Halloween party. And there's been some interesting banter between some of our guests on, on what they're going to show up and where. So I, I think uh, I think you just have to come and see. Well, we're excited. We hope that our listeners out there you know, got some good insight on the whole conference. And hopefully they can make it out there to the 
Malta Blockchain Summit. I really want to thank you for coming on and joining us. And if there's anything else you want, like to you know plug away or uh, let us know about it, whether it be about the summit itself or about Malta, you know, feel free to let our listeners know about it. Absolutely. The conference is going to be held at the Intercontinental, which is in the um, one of the most central areas of Malta. We're having lots of people contact us, asking us about accommodation. Um, if you just look for any hotels in the St. Julian's or Pacheville, Slim area, you're going to be completely fine. Um, we don't have Uber in Malta, but we do have uh, a couple of taxis that you can, you know, install via your phone and, and just get on demand. So there's no no concerns about that type of about transportation. It is mainly sunny, but we cannot obviously promise sunshine. But you know, November is is known. I mean, I've been out in t-shirts in Malta in the, in in November. So we hope that the weather plays along with us during the conference, so that you know the whole island gets gets to to shine because um, it's a real gem lots of people don't know how, how really beautiful it is uh, in malta but apart from that uh, like i said the malta blockchain is uh, summit is um a team of 20 people we're all here and ready to help it doesn't really matter who you are we're, we, we just welcome everybody with open arms and there's going to be tons of people uh, around so we just hope that we share the ecosystem and learn and and share and collaborate together really yeah well we're definitely excited uh, to, to hear about the announcements that are upcoming and i think uh we're going to be lobbying hard to get out there and uh, can't wait to to see everything that's that's going to be a part of this i think it's going to be a, a very nice uh, very legit uh conference same same so thank you thank you miss carla marie we will, uh, we will be in touch with you, and hopefully we'll be seeing you guys out in Malta in November. Awesome. Thanks, guys. ICO Alert maintains the only trusted comprehensive list of pre-ICOs and initial coin offerings. This Pittsburgh-based startup has grown to serve over 1 million users in less than a year. But how did it get started? Well, at first, the company was just an online tool for two brothers, Mike and Rob Finch, to keep a calendar of their favorite ICOs. After just a few months, the team has grown to over 14 team members and produced hundreds of ICO reports. These in-depth reports feature exclusive interviews and offer insight into past, active, and future ICOs. Head on over to ICOalert.com, meet the team, and use their game-changing My Portfolio function. Track your favorite blockchain projects. Become your own venture capitalist. Only at ICOalert.com.